0: Welcome to the Empowered Curiosity Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Kat Lee. I'm here to explore the ideas, stories, and experiences that dig deep into what it means to be an empowered and curious human. Together, we'll connect over emotional alchemy, conscious relationships, and embodiment medicine. On this podcast, I'll be sharing tools, techniques, and wisdom about coming back home to the truest version of yourself. me ground and root down into this conversation. Um, It feels really vulnerable for me to share these thoughts because I tend to share ideas here that I've had time to really sit with and shape and mold and fire in the kiln, but right now it feels like I am sharing something with you that's like a piece of pottery that's been shaped, but it hasn't actually had a chance to be fired. But I think it's really important for me to model in this community what it looks like to be messy and vulnerable and open to making mistakes and learning. Because as we move forward and build a world that's never been seen before, this is what we are all going to have to do. So I've been quiet this week in support of amplifying Black voices that have been silenced for far too long. And when I became still, I found the shadows of racism within me. And yes, I know I am a person of color, and I found racism within me, and I think it's important for me to unpack the nuance of that, not just for myself, but for you to see as well. And. I know my audience, and let's be real, that if you resonate with my content, you are likely not somebody who identifies as being a racist, but each and every one of us has a role to play in this revolution, which means that this is not the time to call yourself a liberal and an anti-racist. Just make a donation and post on an Instagram, and and that's the end of it. you know even as somebody who identifies as an anti-racist or a person of color or an ally, what you are being called to do right now is shed light on your shadows. You're being called to examine your beliefs, you're being called to look for the nuance, which is something that we talk about all the time here on this community. So when I got quiet this last week, one thing that kept coming back over and over again on different platforms was this idea of overt racism is harmful but covert racism is just as harmful and this is exactly where the lines get blurry and we need to be having these conversations about nuance i am a second generation korean american woman And I grew up with an overtly racist grandmother. When I turned 18, she told me that if I marry a black man, that she was going to commit suicide. Was this way of thinking okay? Absolutely not. Was it understandable? Yes. And so you see, I need to share a little bit of my grandmother's story because my grandmother moved to the United States in the 80s. I'm not sure if she ever saw a black person before she landed here. And she was already well in her 50s when she immigrated to the States. She was unable to speak English, and even though she lived in the States for decades, she never learned the language. And her education on black people was through the TV show, Cops, which she watched religiously. And what do we see on that show? We see for an hour, my grandmother watched as the keepers of law and order went after the quote unquote bad guys. The bad guys were usually black people. Black humans were demonized. Black humans were animalized. Black bodies were beaten and black stories are reduced to a few minutes of entertainment on the eight o'clock hour on Fox. And really, what do we expect? 93% of the people who decide what TV shows we get to see are white. And when there's a monopoly on a sector of access to the public, then no one blinks an eye when a TV show like COPS stays on the air for 30 years. COPS is actually still on the air And this is a show that puts black bodies, lives, humans, and stories on the screen to be consumed as entertainment or in my grandmother's case, as education. So was my grandmother's racism okay? Absolutely not. Was it understandable? Yes, it was. So to be clear, this is not to excuse overtly racist ways of thinking, but instead of saying, you know, fuck grandma and her racist ways and meeting hate with more hate, we need to invite nuance by asking why. We have to get curious about why racist beliefs continue to permeate Through our society, who benefits from those beliefs and who is upholding those beliefs? And shutting down never invites curiosity. It creates good guys and bad guys. It creates rifts in families. It creates gaps in society that no one is brave enough to bridge. So what about covert racism? And that is also a family story, and it's my family story that I have to tell. And this is something, this is somewhere where I want to just take a pause and acknowledge because many of these beliefs of covert racism come from families. I didn't realize how much of the Black American story is woven in my own Asian American story until I started unpacking it. And until I started looking at each of these beliefs and realizing that most of the ideas that I had around black Americans, A, they no longer serve me, and B, they're actually complete falsehoods that I had swallowed as truths. So in my family, the idea of being a member of the quote unquote model minority is a source of pride. This idea that yes, we are not white, but look at how we've been able to manifest the American dream. You know, this idea of if we can do it, then anyone can. And that's because my dad immigrated to the US through the Chicago O'Hare airport with $20 in his pocket. He immediately had the $20 stolen by TSA agents and he was unable to speak the language and he still managed to work his way to move us into an upper middle class, safe, secure, suburban neighborhood. And all of that was through hard work and grit. So this is one aspect of model minority thinking. Black people should be able to bootstrap themselves out of poverty because look at us, we're Asian and we don't even know how to speak the language and if we can do it, they should be able to do it too. But when I sat with this belief, I realized that the model minority thinking is like comparing apples and oranges. And when we compare apples and oranges, we fail to acknowledge the challenges and unique stories of both the apple and the orange. It starts with the basics. So how did my family end up in America? I am the descendant of two people who desperately wanted to be here. My father worked in the oil rigs of Saudi Arabia for almost a year before he was able to buy a plane ticket here. And my mother's dream was to come to America so much so that she she took on the identity of a dead girl whose passport she bought at the black market. On the other hand, Black Americans are descendants of ancestors who were ripped from everything they knew and brought to this country against their will in in the most horrendous conditions, watching their brothers and sisters and family members die in the hulls of sho- in in the hulls of ships. We also differ in how we view America. So in my family, to this day, we still believe that America is the land of equality and opportunity because that has been what has been true for them in the course of a single generation. And black families live with the daily knowledge that this is not true for them, that being black in America is dangerous and the system is built to keep you swimming upstream. To them, This country is not the mixing pot of immigrants that we proudly talk about, because to them, that story of the mixing pot erases their family history of the forced removal and migration of their ancestors through through slavery. We also now know that intergenerational trauma exists for at least five generations. Five generations ago in the US, we were reeling from the aftermath of the Civil War. But just because slavery had been abolished doesn't mean that Black Americans could exhale. Far from it. What followed the abolition of slavery was five generations of violence. Five generations of people who went about literally fearing for their lives. Except now the danger was not the whip of the slave driver. The danger was now their neighbors. At least when they were property, they were too valuable to kill. The last public lynching was in 1981. 1981 just let that sink in for a minute so when we say that black Americans should just work hard and bootstrap themselves out of poverty know that you are asking them to deal with not just their own difficulties but the generational trauma that they passed down through the womb through the blood through the bones and I don't know how model minority thinking trickled into my actions, but I do know that it trickled into my inaction. It afforded me the privilege to be able to say, you know, that's not my problem. And I would dust off my hands while saying that they need to take responsibility for their own lives, their own actions, and their own communities. So I started thinking and doing a bit of research about where does this idea of the model minority come from? and who is giving out those gold stars anyway? And to answer that question, we have to go back to 1966 when the first time model minority entered the cultural vocabulary. A sociologist named William Peterson wrote an article for the New York Times Magazine in which he contrasted the quote unquote problem minority, AKA black Americans, with the model minority, AKA the industrious Japanese Americans. And this narrative would pop up over and over again throughout our history since then as a way to maintain the structure that would keep black Americans down. We, the model minority, would be trotted out to reinforce the myth of the criminality of black people, to oppose affirmative action for black students, and to deny systemic economic and racial injustice. Because after all, look at this Asian family. If they could make it, Black families should be able to as well. So is my covert racism okay? Absolutely not. Is it understandable? Yes. Is it now my responsibility to unlearn and to re-educate and to do better? Absolutely. When we don't examine these hidden shadowy sides of ourselves, We allow covert racism to lay dormant within us, which festers into shameful feelings, which then mutates into shameful acts. And this is why I believe there's so much performance allyship on social media right now. Allyship does not look like, look at what I did, I donated and now here's the screenshot as a proof of my allyship. Allyship looks like what you would be doing even if we didn't have social media. It's the intangibles that are going to matter months and years down the line when we are still fighting this fight. Because this is not something that is going to end after a week of silence and learning. Allyship is going to require collateral that is not necessarily monetary. The collateral of you looking within, rooting out the shadows of your own racism that exists within you and bringing it to light. because black people carry trauma in their bones and we carry the shameful story of having benefited from that trauma. Black people carry the heavy responsibility of working through five generations of pain so it doesn't land in the bodies of their children. We carry the heavy responsibility of supporting them as they do that. And we cannot do that without looking at our own shadows first. If you are part of this movement, you are getting a quick and fast education on trauma and what it looks like when it's been harbored in the body, suppressed in the spirit for far too long. The same day that George Floyd died, we also watched Amy Cooper sick the police on a black man named Christian Cooper who asked her to leash her dog so that he can watch some birds. She frantically told the police that an African-American man was threatening her life. And somewhere in her subconscious, she knew the position of power she held in that situation. She knew that when the police showed up, the assumption of guilt would land on Christian Cooper. And then we also found out later that she's a liberal. Y'all, she's one of us. And this is what I am saying we need to recognize. This is why nuance is so needed in this conversation right now. The Amy Cooper incident is what happens when we claim liberalism and allyship without putting up collateral. Depending on which cops got to the scene first, Christian Cooper could be another name we would be saying never forget. Yes, there are reforms that need to be made within the police, dis- uh, police system but just as important as the reforms that need to be made are the reforms that are being asked to be made within ourselves, within these day-to-day moments, within these moments, these interactions that we have with Black people. We condemn Amy Cooper, but do we recognize the parts of ourselves that are her? We create a greater rift when we dismiss stories like hers when we fail to recognize that it could have been us. That the reason why we condemn her so harshly is because we are afraid of the shadow that she represents within us. We are all protagonists of our own stories. I'm sitting here as a person of color examining my beliefs. And to be honest, most of my friends are white. Most of my audience here is white. And so my invitation to you is not to compare Don't just land at, I'm not a racist, or at least I'm not like grandma. Look within. Overt racism is dangerous, but we at least know what we're dealing with when it comes to overt racism. Covert racism is just as dangerous, but it requires nuance to examine and to unlearn. So here is my invitation. Speak to and listen to content that seeks to unearth the nuance of every situation. Whenever you are consuming someone's work, use nuance as a filter. Let's talk about communication, let's talk about trauma, let's talk about policy, but let's also make sure that it is colored with the lens of nuance. Because nobody is the bad guy in their story. We are all protagonists trying to do the best we can. And the moment and this moment is calling us to do better, to listen better, to understand better, to learn better, to create a better future for the trauma that is already within the bones of black bodies. We can't do anything about that trauma now, but we can alchemize it. And alchemizing it is going to require a nuanced conversation. So I considered not posting this, but I realized that we need all sorts of examples right now. And there are so many influencers out there saying, look, I'm an ally and I've always been an ally and here's the proof. And I am here to say that I am somebody who does not identify as a racist. And yet, even as a person of color, even as a liberal, I've benefited from the racial hierarchy that was put forth by People in Power. And it is deeply painful work, but I am unlearning, and I'm going to mess up, and that's okay, and I will pick up the pieces and it will keep growing. And I'm doing this not for me, not even for the Black community, but I'm doing it for the oneness that is within us all. When we can't sit with our own shadows, when we can't be brave and do the work of sitting in a quiet room all by ourselves, we cannot expect to make any progress. We'll end up with the same shit that we had in the civil rights movement. We will have actions and policies put in place, but the spirit, the day-to-day, the moment-to-moment decisions will still be glazed with racism if we do not do the work of confronting covert racism. So this is where we begin. We begin with listening. We begin with feeling. We begin with empathy. And I just wanna end with saying thank you for listening. And I see you and I hear you and I love you.